This week on Mental Matters Podcast, we'll be talking with Mr. Kevin Detner, who's the founder and CEO of Henry Health. Join me and Jarrell as we talk about the five stresses of black men and what you can do to help reduce stress in a very stressful environment in society. Stay tuned. are here with the man with the plan of the Henry Health Initiative, in my opinion. Um, so we'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself. And yes, tell us about you. Hey, well, first of all, let me just uh, thank uh, both of you all for having me on um, today. And uh, let me also thank you guys for the work that you're doing around raising the attention and awareness of the importance of the emotional and mental health um, of, 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 of black men, but obviously it's a, an issue that's really important to everyone. I am Kevin Detner, the founder and CEO of Henry Health. We are a startup um, that provides self-care support and mental health services for black men. Um, we start from this place of understanding that black men have the lowest life expectancy of any population in this country. Um, that has always been the case uh, since this data uh, was first started to be collected. And, you know, one of the, the, the compelling things is that when you start to unpack the data and the literature, what we find as uh, a common denominator or a strong correlation between poor health outcomes and in particular the lowest life expectancy of Black men is unmanaged stress and untreated mental health disorders. Um, and so, you know, as a company, we believe that if, if we can begin to help Black men better cope with the experiences that they're having in this country, that not only can we uh, improve their individual health, but we will also improve their, their, their longevity, their life expectancy, and the impact of what that means for, you know, the African-American community um, will be tremendous because they will be better fathers, better husbands, um, better overall citizens. So, you know, maybe that's a good way to, to start this discussion. Um, I'm happy that, that we're having it. Um, I, have, I have a public health background. I've spent most of my career somewhere between public health advocacy and working on true public health programs. but um, about a year ago, I, I made a commitment to devote the rest of my professional career to the emotional and mental health of Black men. And so I'm glad that you know I'm here in this work. Awesome. Well, again, we do def- definitely thank you for your time, and um, we really just want to get a feel for um, our guests. So, with that, kind of tell us about you know where you grew up. Um, your day-to-day profession, and then if you could talk, get a little bit more into it. And then, yeah, like other things, like what's your favorite, like, music to listen to? <laughs> wow, that's uh, you asked a whole lot in one big question. <laughs> so we'll start um, with, uh, where'd you grow up? In- yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's funny. I was, I was actually just in Little Rock, Arkansas this past week. Um, 
I uh, grew up in Little Rock. Of course, you guys are probably familiar with Little Rock, most famous for the Little Rock Nine that was integrated uh, in 1957, the first place where the Brown versus Board of Education decision um, was was tested. Uh, the president uh, federalized troops to send there to help integrate Little Rock Central. So, um, you know, I come from a place with a lot, sort of a lot of social justice history. Um, you know, my story is unique in that um, I I kind of rose out of the gang wars. We had real intense gang wars in the in the early nineties. Uh, in nineties, my friends, you know, I have so so many of my friends were getting killed, and um, you know, I was telling people this, or I was reminding of this rather this past week is that when I first started like my career and, and growing up, I, I thought that, you know, politics uh, would be the only way that I could make a difference and uh, have an impact. And so I spent like the first half of, you know, the first formative years of my career thinking that I would have um, a career in politics because that was really the only path that was presented to me in terms of how you make a difference. And then I took a job with the American Cancer Society and started to do a lot of you know work across tobacco control, cancer control, and really started to develop a, a real passion for public health. And um, I went back to school and got my master's in public health. And after I completed my master's, I, I really wanted to round out my public health experience, meaning do more real public health work. So I went to work um, at the state health department and ran an HIV AIDS program. And from there, I was recruited to work on a national project to try to do to do work rather around um, childhood obesity. At that time, we were just really realizing that we had an epidemic in the country around childhood obesity. Uh, President Obama had been elected and um, the first lady had decided to devote like her public platform to childhood obesity. So it was a really critical time in the country in terms of thinking about the, the health of children. Um, and after that, I started consulting and really in this space of doing a lot of sort of thought leadership around public health. One of the issues that, you know, was really, um, I really enjoyed thinking a lot about was issues around boys and men of color uh, and how we improve health outcomes for them. And and so, you know, I, I, I was doing work on a variety of issues, but, you know, a sweet spot for me was like, what the, what can we do for, for, for young African-American men and for African-American African -American men in general? Um, and, and so, and so goes the story of Henry Health is what I'm trying to get to this point. I'm sort of giving you the full story of how we, we've got. And so, you know, I was working on a variety of issues and five years ago, uh, five years ago, probably, uh, five years and a month ago at this point. Um, and one Saturday night when the, the George Zimmerman, um, verdict came out, I came home pretty frustrated, heard about it on the news, just very, very angry and upset. And uh, went to bed and woke up the next morning with like really, really terrible headaches. And it took a few days for my headaches to subdue. And when my headaches were finished, um, were, were gone rather, I started thinking to myself um, about, you know, could being a black man make you sick? Um, could the stress associated with just like being, walking around the world, having to deal with the things that we deal with, like what does that do to our health? And so I set out 
um, to answer that question, you know, somewhat like an academic question, an intellectual question. Like I wanted to know, like, um, is this is this true or is this just like, um, you know, com- conversely we say this, right? And so, you know, I read journal articles and, you know, um, like just, you know, really intensely went through the literature and walked away with like, uh, you know, an astounding yes, it's true that um, that black men are having this unique experience in life that makes them more susceptible to disease. Um, to say it like this, stress in itself is a good thing, but prolonged stress starts to have a negative impact on the body and starts to break down your organs, making you more susceptible to disease. Mm. So, um, you know, so at that point I was like, oh Jesus, I have to do something about this. And so my, my research at the time, cause I was a consultant, you know, we thought about launching a national survey. We thought about writing a book. I even bought the domain, what's killing black thinking that, oh, we'll write a book about this. You know, this is five years ago. And so um, we can no, we're working on it now. I'm actually Listen. you know, trying to trying to get this, trying to figure out how to get it out of me because I, obviously I owe it to God, the universe. You know, it's, it's an idea that was Listen. planted five years ago. So I'm trying to figure out how to get it out right now. So I'm actually trying to get back into better like topics to read about instead of my ESPN magazines. Yeah. So when you drop that, feel free to let us know. So we can support that because that's all. Yeah, no, it's a it's a conversation I think we need to have. It's obviously it's an extension of the conversation we're having today. That's that's essentially what I'm talking about. Right. Um, within you know two years of me, you know, I guess I I could say emotionally committing myself to this idea, I experienced a period of depression myself. Mm-hmm. And you know when I realized that I was depressed, um, it. You know, I started trying to find a therapist to help me, and it was a, a really tough road. Um, I ended up, you know, seeing three therapists before I found a therapist who could get me back on track. And I was, you know, I, I felt like I was getting my life back on track, trying to rebuild my consulting practice when um, my other founder reached out to me and said, hey, I see all the things you post on public health. I really want to do something to help IT. I don't know what I want to do, but... Um, I really would like to work with you and can we meet and talk about what, what, what might be bothering you, what you'd like to work on. And, uh, so he came to DC, uh, we had lunch and, uh, this was September of last year, by the way. And we had lunch and, you know, we, we basically, when I sat down with him, you know, gentlemen, a light went off and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, everything that I've been thinking about for the last five years even my personal experience leads me to this point. And so we kicked around the idea through the, the remainder of um, 2017. And at the beginning of 2018, you know, we formed Henry Health um, and recruited a founding team to help us build out our framework and, you know, our, you know, our technology in terms of what we want to do. And um, on Monday, we, and today, you know, September the 15th, on Monday, September the 17th, we are going to market with a minimum viable product here in the Washington, D.C. metro area. So people live in this jurisdiction, so the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia, they'll be able to download our app and access a therapist who we have uh, trained ourselves around the cultural competency of Black men. Um, and, you know, we're extremely excited about that. 
we're in the, you know, we're starting to raise money to, to help us, you know, figure out how to take this thing to scale. But, you know, the most important thing that I'd, I'd say, and then we can probably open it up for questions is um, we, we're a part of an accelerator. It's called Startup Health. And Startup Health asks all of their portfolio companies to set a, set a moonshot. And the moonshot is a, a goal that is so audacious that it sounds like, oh, we're going to go to the moon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's literally a crazy goal. And, and so our moonshot is to add 10 years to the life expectancy of Black men within the next 25 years. Um, and that's a goal that, you know, uh, people are very, very excited about, you know, and, and what's compelling. So remember, I'm a public health guy by nature core. So I'm always interested in like what the literature says. And, and a few days ago, I was with another researcher and they said, now, Kevin, are you familiar with the crossover effect? I said, no, what's the crossover effect? And, and she went on to explain that, that it is true. Black men have this lowest life expectancy that puts us anywhere between like 65 and 70 years of age that we're expected to live, right? Mm-hmm. But if we reach the age of 80, we outlive all of our counterparts. Wow. 80. So, yeah. So, but here's, so when you think about adding 10 years to the life expectancy of black men, right? If, the, if that point now is 70 and if we could literally add 10 years, what that means in terms of like me, you, not only being able to meet your grandkids, but you're going to meet your great grands then. I mean, so that is like an arresting thought for me and something that I think that people can get around because um, now you guys, are, are you both alphas? I am. Okay. You're an alpha. I am, yes. So um, a few, you will appreciate this. A few weeks ago, I was at the, the, the board meeting for Alpha Phi Alpha, 98 years old after we got presenting uh, he asked to say uh, a word, and you know when you're when you're nearly a hundred years old, when you speak, everybody listens, right? right. We all turn like, oh, oh, oh here we go. We like brother gems. Yeah, he's about to say something. So brother Timur said to the brothers, he said, "Brothers, do you realize what this young man is talking about?" And of course, the brothers are just like, you know, silent, like what you know right he is talking about the longevity of the black man so now it's now to some people that may be a stretch because what we're talking about is connecting emotional and mental health to the longevity of the black man like some people think that that's a stretch but i'd argue that it's not much of a stretch at all Mm. That's interesting. I'm glad you actually brought that point. So before we totally get into, you know, I guess the uh, the history, if not the inspiration um, of the Henry Health Initiative, we want to ask, and we typically ask all of our guests, why does your mental matter? Wow. I I think that's a loaded question. I mean, I I want to be a responsible father to my children. Um, I have a sense of community. I have people who look to me and depend on me to be a leader to them. 
And, you know, here's what I know. And I know this personally, um, is that when I hit a low, when like, when I was depressed, I could not be to my family and to my friends, what they needed me to be. And, you know, you didn't ask this question, but I'll, I'll connect it to, you know, what is one of the inspirations behind Henry Health? And that is the story, the American folks, uh, story of John Henry. Um, you know, we grew up singing about John Henry, watching a cartoon about John Henry, but embedded in that story is the story of black men in America, right? John Henry is known for his strength, how strong and together he has it. He's admired and adored for that. And people think that he can take on anything it just by, you know, this, this, I, so, so think of this. Like he's so strong, uh, a steel driving machine. And, you know, not surprisingly, he does. He outperforms the steel driving machine. But the end of the story, John Henry dies from a heart attack and stress. Mm. And that's the story of black men. Now, what we know data wise is that when we add the controls of higher income, higher education, like you brothers are going to be making great money one day, and highly educated engineers, that does not increase your life expectancy. Mm. Right? Exactly. So, so what we know is that there is something happening in our experiences. So I, I say that, you know, I tell people all the time that all of us are the story of John Henry. We look like we have it together. And even when you think you got it all together, you know, you may have some subconscious emotional things going on inside of you that keep you from performing at your best. Right. So, you know, that, that's a real part of the inspiration. So my, the, the, the circle, full circle back to your question, you know, my mental matters because, you know, for me to become like the very best version of myself, I also have to be emotionally healthy. Mm. I had to make that a sound bite. Yeah. Remind me to make that a sound bite <laughs> as we're doing the editing. That's, that's actually pretty powerful, man. Um, so as we continue, so I kind of want to um, do a little change of direction here. So you're busy with a lot of different things. Um, you are, you know, I guess kind of first, if we had to switch gears, what type of music do you actually go back and listen to? Oh man. Yeah. That's, you did ask about that earlier. And I was just teasing my son. Uh, I have a 12 year old and he called me just a few days ago and he's like, well, he has this, this wireless speaker that I've been using and he does not appreciate that I, uh, take his speaker to listen to music. And so he bought me speaker is it? It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's not a really expensive speaker, but it's just it's a, a, a Wi-Fi speaker that I can connect to my phone when I'm moving around the house and listen okay. to my music. And so he, he called me that day and said, Dad, I'm buying you a speaker. What color do you want? I was like, oh, you don't have to give me a speaker. He said, Dad, I'm tired of you using my speaker, right? <laughs> so, anyway, so, so long story short, um, um, you know, just today when I got home, he gave me my, my copy, my, my new speaker, and I, I, was, I instantly pulled up Spotify. And he was asking, are you listening to Pandora, Spotify? And I was like, Spotify. And he was like, well, and I asked him, well, what are your favorite stations? And it was funny because his favorite stations really um, kind of favor my favorite stations. Like right now I'm listening like to a lot of Molly music. 
uh, Sean C. Johnson, but I also listen to Jay-Z. Uh, I actually think Kanye West is brilliant, by the way. And if you guys haven't recently watched some of his interviews with The Breakfast Club, where he's talking about mental health and how he's finally found a therapist to help him, uh, you know, it, it, it's really telling about emotional mental health. I mean, he's really a great case study to understand, you know, what's going on in his life uh, or, or to better understand mental health. But I'm, I'm from the South, so I like quartet gospel, <laughs> you know, like old school gospel. So um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a child of the 70s. So sometimes I like to listen to the Doobie Brothers and Patti LaBelle. So my go. music taste is really um, all over the place. And what's interesting is, you know, full circle back to my son is, you know, he was telling me about the stations that he's listening to. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, he's like a mini version of me listening to all kinds of music. So, yeah, I'm, I'm but on a good day, I like Molly music or Sean C. Johnson, something inspirational um, that, you know, kind of encourages me to keep going. And, and I, I think that's a really important thing because, you know, what we take in uh, and what we these the messages that we subconsciously um, plant into our minds really impact us. You know, you, you guys know. Time to time, you're sitting really still. Days ago, plays back in your head out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So you know that shows how important what we listen to can be. Exactly. I was. We actually had that discussion a couple. Uh, I'll say a couple episodes ago. Even it's just like really. You know, there's certain. Uh, at least for me, and he can speak to his especially. But there's certain music that I listen to that I'm like, all right, let me cut this off and let me intentionally play something else because. I'm <laughs> And so you can go anywhere because listen to the radio is one of those big uh, reasons why. So on, one, on a certain day, I listen to my J. Cole and mm-hmm. then other days I listen to the internet. It's because yeah. I want those different vibes because one thing I want to think and another one I just want to release. But then you also have, what's that? I can't stand this guy, but Future. So everybody mm-hmm. for some reason loves Future and I'm just like, oh, I can't stand him. But <laughs> if you just sit down and listen to it, like subconsciously, it's like, oh, three days later, like you said, you sing in future. It's like, oh God, come on, man. Yeah, so, it's in your head, exactly. Your head. But yeah, so yeah, so what about what songs you uh, subconsciously try not to listen to? Uh, I think it's easier to list when I do listen to quartet <laughs> 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 uh, gospel. So we're from Detroit, so my parents always play like the whinings around the house. So oh yeah, I love that. That's the quartet group that I like. I listen to like their greatest hits album on title. Uh, similar, uh, if I want to be educated or if I want to be thought provoked, I listen to a lot of Lupe Fiasco, most mm-hmm. of Talib Kweli. Um, if I want oh, great, a little bit more, like, uh, I guess, like, radical, I go back to, like, Public Enemy in the 80s, listen to Chuck D. Oh, wow. So I, I really like hip-hop a lot, hip-hop, gospel. They're kind of, like, contrary, of course, but <laughs> it's like one speaks to – hip-hop speaks to, like, what we go through um, currently on this earth, and then gospel speaks to, like, our spiritual being. So I kind of mm-hmm. get, like, both of those in rotation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a beautiful balance. To, I think it's very healthy. Definitely. So um, let's get back into this. Um, so you and so far as Henry Health and Alpha Phi Alpha, which is what I've come to find are both actually near and dear to my heart. Um, mm-hmm. You guys identified the five stressors for mm-hmm. black men. And 
that will stop broken because it's basically centered around centered around everything that we do um, mm-hmm. when it comes to Mental Matters podcast. So I guess if you can kind of touch on, you know, what provoked this research and kind of go into the five stresses for black men. Sure. Um, now, yeah, first of all, you know, I should always pause and thank uh, the general president uh, Ward for partnering with Henry Health um, during the month of July, which was National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I I was meeting with, with Dr. Ward and telling him about our mission and what we wanted to do. And Dr. Ward stopped me and started to share um, a story of his own personal depression. And I don't know if you guys had a chance to read his editorial when he talked about um, his depression and how he, um, you know, he lost three um, very close family members over a, a period of three years that drove him into some depression. And so he, you know, he personally knew that this eh, mental health issue was was something that many brothers were struggling with because he himself has struggled with it. But, um, you know, he also knew of individual cases. And so when I told him what we were doing, um, and I told him, you know, we wanted to do like a digital campaign to start raise the awareness. And so we coined this campaign, Reclaim Our Strength, um, created a website. The website is still up. All of our graphics are still downloadable. And what we, we, we wanted to do was draw attention to um, five stressors that really impact um, black men. And now I, I, I'd be careful to say that they're not D the five stressors because we, we basically looked at one study that was a place-based study um, in Los Angeles. And we, we pulled the, the top stressors out of that you know, sort of picking up on this, we really believe that those are common themes that black men across the board are suffering from or have challenges with. Uh, But I I would say, you know, geographically, you know, it may look different in different places that people may have be having different experiences. So we basically came up with like five stressors that we tried to highlight over the period to help people to understand, um, you know, these are issues that can trigger um, you know, high stress for people and ultimately trigger, you know, um, mental issues for people. And, and then, so the first one was money and finances. Um, and, and so this idea, or there's this understanding that black men are less likely to have stable opportunities to achieve success in their employment pursuits or to have dependable chances to increase their income and accumulate wealth and retire. There are a lot in society around um, like, uh, um, you know, I think we're kind of at this, this place in, in the country where there's like complete pushback on white male dominance that like black men kind of get lost in that. And people think that, you know, we have had like a sort of a dominating power. I'm not saying that black men are perfect and we've not been showing this, but I'm also saying that like, you know, we, we, we have major stressors, uh, to deal with. The second one was race and racism. I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, experiencing racial discrimination as a black man uh, between the ages of 20 and 23 has, you know, been shown to be a predictive factor for anxiety, uh, depression up to the age of 32. So it's, it's interesting because I can actually think about like in my professional career, some of the very first experiences I had of being 
um, mistreated. And I knew that they were race related. And what's interesting to me now is understanding trauma and how the brain retains information. I now know that those were defining experiences into my professional development and how I think about the world. I didn't realize it at that time, but I completely understand that now. Um, the third is jobs and career. Obviously, it goes, um, you know, that that's pretty uh, uh, understandable in spite of, you know, the president saying that uh, mm. uh, black unemployment is the lowest it's ever been. Uh, <laughs> you know, that actually triggered my like, mental illness. <laughs> okay. We'll proceed. Uh, Keep going. Yeah. And, and, and then we have relationships and family. Obviously, you know, black men are having some pretty adverse um, childhood experiences. You know, I, I mentioned sort of like even, you know, my propelling to try to be involved and make a, a difference was because I was I grew up in, in, you know, I was coming into age in gang wars. So I was literally, um, you know, seeing a lot of violence, experiencing violence. Um, and, you know, those things kind of stick with us. Um, and, you know, it can, you know, it doesn't just have to be, you know, like what you experience outside. It's also what you experience internally in your family. Um, and then, you know, finally health and, and, and illness, which really brings us back to like our core argument that, um, you know, we're having, um, we're experiencing like, uh, all of these major diseases, the, um, because of, you know, stress, like we're, we're having more health problems than anyone else. We have higher death rates and, and all of uh, the leading causes of death. And so these are, you know, what, what we sort of coined as like, you know, five stressors that people should be very aware of. Like when things get all kilter in your life around these areas that it makes sense to go get help with you. That's awesome. That's actually really powerful. So, I mean, again, it was very inspiring because we thought these were definitely relatable topics that not only we go through on a daily basis, but other people may go through, but just not talking about. And just yeah. from keeping that stuff in and compressing it inside, you have this issue where now one day when something triggers you, now you just are like a grenade. Like you just lashing out on everybody. And it's like, well, what's going on with Rich? Like, what's up with that? Yeah. But a lot of the times it, when you, I initially looked at these, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess to, and I want to make sure we actually dedicate our efforts moving forward. Probably our next, we'll do a series talking about each of these in particular on each of the next, the next five episodes, just mm-hmm. so you kind of get an understanding of, at least from our standpoint that yes, we do go through these things and this is how. And so another one of those is, for each of those different types of things, we'll talk about ways to um, deal with these or cope with these. Certain Absolutely. So what we want, would like to know from the expert himself, Mr. CEO, um, how do you cope or address, um, I guess, stress with these five um, identified stressors? Yeah. So first, let me let me also put the disclaimer out there that I'm not a therapist. I do have a public health background, but I don't have a behavioral health background. Right. Um, and but I, I'd also just kind of volunteer our chief clinical officer, who is actually my former therapist, to come back and do another call with you guys and talk about coping mechanisms. 
I think I think for me though to answer your question more um, directly, you know, my own coping skills have evolved over time, and it's okay. funny because as I mentioned, you know, much earlier that I was home, and I was thinking a lot, reflecting a lot on my early career, like in my early early thirties and late twenties, and I was thinking about how I used to have to go to happy hour every day. And, um, you know, that happy hour was an essential part of my day. But I've come to realize now that, um, you know, depending on what type of day I had, that that was the difference between whether or not I had one drink or three drinks, right? So I think that, like, you know, we, uh, my hope is that all of us kind of get to a place of of maturity that we can kind of step back and observe our own behavior and, and see like how we're coping. So I said all of that to say that, you know, today my coping has evolved, um, you know, dramatically, uh, like I I wouldn't use alcohol as a, as a, a coping mechanism for my stress. So, um, you know, I, I pray, I meditate, diet is a really important piece of this. Um, sleep is a really important piece of this, you know, as, as we get older, we need to sleep. And, um, um, if, you know, if, if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I'm, I'm not, you know, my best. <laughs> so, and I've learned that as I, I've gotten older. So, you know, I think that everybody has to find their own way to, you know, to, to deal with stress. I live in the city in Washington, D.C., so um, I opt to walk a lot as opposed to always, you know, jumping in the car, driving somewhere because right. there's also space to kind of unpack my mind. Um, you know, I don't believe in being um, overwhelmed with work. I try to strike a balance. I think that that's healthy. Again, remember the story of John Henry uh, is that it, John Henry works and 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 works himself to death right Right. so when we talk about like how do we cope it's really important i think that we start sending this message of of black to black men that there there is no honor in working yourself to death like we've been taught that working hard is an honorable thing and i'm and i'm and i'm not suggesting that working hard is dishonorable but i am suggesting that you know when you work to a place that you're killing yourself there's no honor in that Right. So we all have to find our, our own ways of coping. Definitely. So you mentioned that um, I think young, I think either people or young males between the age of 20 and 23 deal with, you know, mental illness and anxiety. Um, what advice would you offer young men dealing with anxiety or mental health? So the one of the things I would, you know, I think, uh, I saw this meme the other day that said, you know, be the mentor that you needed when you were young. Right. And, and that just really resonated with me because, um, you know, if I knew then what I knew now. Right. And I, I can say for probably people like you, you all, you're in college, you know, going after life. The best advice, the first thing I can tell you is that everything's going to be all right. And it's okay to, to have a plan, but when things don't work out, it is not the end of the world. 
that there is another way. Right. Um, and so, you know, what we understand about trauma, right, um, is like when, when things don't go our way, like if we've set our brain um, on something happening a certain way and it doesn't happen that way. And so for, for you all, that might be, I'm going to make an A in this engineering class because I need it for my scholarship or something, right? Yeah. And you don't make the A. Well, what we understand now is that that is a traumatic event. Okay. Right. And it, that event alone could send you on the downward sparrow if you don't have the right coping skills. Right. But right. a coping skill in itself is the understanding that everything's going to be all right. That there is another way that life, like there is another solution. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that I've, I've learned in life is that things will work out. Right. And then secondly, that it's okay to talk to people and ask for help. That when you have these emotional feelings, when you feel like you, you've been uh, mistreated or you know that you've been mistreated, that you shouldn't just suppress it internally because it goes somewhere inside of you. It's not like it disappears. It's still there. That it is very healthy to go to unpack it. You know, I had this experience in undergrad. Um, I think it was sophomore English and I was accused of plagiarism. And I was, but, and, and it hurt so bad because I was so proud of the paper that I wrote, <laughs> like, you know, like, like I knocked it out the box. I know this paper's good. And when the teacher says, Hey, I need to talk to you after class. You think you're about to get a pat on the back and instead you're getting reprimanded. And that, you know, I, I know now that that created a phobia and mentally for me that early in my professional life, probably, you know, until just a few years ago, I always was worried about. Oh, do they think I could write? Can I really write? You know what I mean? Like, it's just that, that, that type of deal. Now, knowing what I know now is I should have talked to somebody about that back then. Right. I didn't tell any of my friends about it. I didn't tell, you know, my parents about it. I just negotiated that, um, that whole experience by myself. And it, and it was a pretty serious experience because, as you guys know, when you, you know, for plagiarism, you can be expelled, Right. Uh, on a college campus, um, they weren't talking about expelling me, but they wanted me um, to rewrite my paper. And I was pushing back because I was trying to, you know, maintain my honor. I didn't do this. So all, but I, I worked through that entire experience by myself. I must have been probably 22 years of age. Mm. I never asked anybody for help. We shouldn't negotiate experiences like that by ourselves. Indeed. Um, I, we even talked about this on our previous episodes about you know just going through some of those stresses in school and you know one of my favorites long story short uh when i was in undergrad we took a final exam in one of my engineering classes and i had like a b plus a minus going into the final so i knew i was ready to dominate this thing and then <laughs> I saw it. and it's not that i didn't know it but my mind went blank yeah, I didn't know anything at that moment. I was like, you know what? It's it's over. It's a wrap. Too shit yeah. for the exam. I'm gonna just storm out of here and go sit at the front of the physics building and yeah, just deal with it, right? And mm-hmm. at that moment, I realized, you're like, yo, you've dealt with so much in undergrad from you know, being a student to being a son who lost a parent, grandparent, yeah. everything, and it's just like, all right. I got to get this back in order if I'm going to finish school. 
And so, yeah. you know, the universities, they offer these free resources to get that free counseling and help from administration to make sure you can be your best academic self. So right. um, that's actually really helpful advice you've given. And so um, far as Henry Health is concerned, I know you mentioned about the app itself is going to be available. Um, is that going to be in the D.C. area or is that going to be like a nationwide thing? So initially, through the end of the year, we'll be in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia jurisdiction. So if people live in those jurisdictions, they can access our services. Um, and our hope is to start scaling uh, at the beginning of 2019. Um, one of the, the different things about Henry Health, um, when you look at the other companies that are out there, they're not providing um, true therapy. They provide therapeutic conversations. I come from this place of understanding that we as black men have had um, some serious experiences and that we want to make sure that our therapists are applying clinical um, theory to how we take care of people, that we have true care plans in place of people, that we're really taking um, um, you know, our work very serious and, 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 and appreciate it you know, from a place of integrity and trying to take care of the emotional needs of black men. So we're different in that we're actually providing real therapy. So within a few months, if you have health insurance in these places, we're going to be, we're working on agreements with the major payers that we'll be able to accept your health insurance. So it's not just um, in a, for us, you know, we're, we're, we're for-profit business, but we're operating here with a double bottom line. You know, and right. our double bottom line is obviously we want to be profitable as a company. You know, we owe that to ourselves. We owe that to our investors. But at the same time, you know, we want to make a difference in the lives of black men. And the great thing about tech and you guys, you know, you're on the college campus engineering, so you can appreciate this. I hope like we can change the world through technology. And I often say, you know, in conversations I've been having the last couple of months, like, We've had enough dating apps, social networking apps. Now it's time for us to solve some problems. Exactly. Like we can really do some great things through technology. Indeed. So how can people get in touch with you or the Henry Health team if they're looking for resources to, you know, ultimately just talk to somebody and get, start to get that initial help? Yeah, well, people can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, um, at KDetner, K-D-E-D-N-E-R. Um, people can also follow the company at Henry Health uh, app. Um, we're on Facebook, Henry Health. We're responsive, you know, very responsive. So if people have conversations, they uh, questions, and they want to know, like, when will we be coming to their jurisdiction? Uh, you know, they, they, they can engage us. We also have a waiting list. So if people are interested in our services, but they're not in our pilot states, we really want to encourage people to join our waiting list. They can go to our website, henry-health.com and join that waiting list. And this is really important for us because then we get an appreciation of, you know, what states that we should be moving into um, in our expansion plan. You know, we do have a, a 10 state plan that we're going to try to get into 10 states with, you know, within the first couple of months of 2019. But, you know, obviously we need people to tell us, do you want us to come? 
I, I will tell you that people have responded very well around this, the, the mission of what we're trying to do. But, you know, when it comes to the acquisition of like we actually get men to take on our services, we need, you know, the voices of people like you saying, hey, these guys are promising you an experience with a therapist who understands you. Like that's our commitment. Like we're we're promising you an experience with a therapist who won't look at you uh, like, what in the hell are you talking about? No, they will understand <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> right. And that's one of the key things when you're looking to get help from people. Um, right. People that look like you. You want people that's been through the type of experiences that you've been through. So yeah. coming up in the city of Detroit, you know, we're used to a certain type of lifestyle in terms of uh, on the news again, somebody else got, you know, robbed or, you know, murder in the neighborhoods or, you know, different things like that. We're used to that and we think it's normal. And so when you are seeking help, it's important to know that, you know, people who look like you, it's easier to relate. So it's easier to start that discussion. Right. And right. You're comfortable doing that. So, yeah, so hey, one of the things I, I'd mentioned to you, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. But one of the things that we have to be really honest about, and that is that less than 3% of the therapists in the country are people of color. Right? right? So if we are, and I believe that we are, in, a midst, in the midst of a culture shift around accessing mental health services, there are going to have to be some good white folk who see black folk because we just don't have the capacity to take care of everybody, nor can we train uh, or breed a whole new workforce that quick. Like we can't produce therapists quick enough to meet the demand. So one of the unique things about Henry Health is that we've worked with our expert advisors led by our chief clinical officer on designing a curriculum for the therapists on our platform. So really what, what we're talking about um, is a, a cultural sensitivity. Sometimes people refer to it as competency, but it is that people are looking through your life, at your life through the same lens in which you look at your life and not their lens. That's what that competency and sensitivity right. means. And so, you know, the, the, the guarantee or the surety that we have is that if, if it's a therapist, a white female uh, in the state of Virginia uh, on our platform, you know, what, what we say to you is trust, trust, trust that she's gone through our training and give her a try. And if you still don't feel like she meets your need, we'll pair you with somebody um, who does. But, you know, I, I think it's really important, you know, that we we understand from this practical standpoint that this technology is the solution to us expanding care very, very rapidly and very quickly. And, and that the only way that we can do that is because of the technology, because we don't have the manpower any other way. Right. That's awesome. Well, hey, we more than appreciate your time and energy. Um, definitely a lot of tools shared. And uh, we look forward to working with you guys in the future. I know me personally, when I saw the website, I initially was like, share the story. I'm telling you about this life <laughs> living. It's been crazy. And I want to see if they really going to help me. So uh, especially if there's ways that you want to. I know I can say for us, we're dedicated to making sure that that message is spread and, 
you know, if there's something that we can do even moving forward as far as our podcast platform and Henry Health in general, that we're definitely up for the cause to help kind of lead that in 2019. So, um, Well, one of the things I'll just mention to you, I don't, I don't have it all shaped up yet, but, uh, you know, people who work with me on this probably be upset with me mentioning it because we don't have all the details worked out yet. Right. But I do want to challenge, um, you know, groups like yours to join us in partnership and we'll launch it somewhere in 2019 around the, the 10 year commitment of adding 10 years within the next 25 years. And so that might mean that, you know, we ask you um, uh, as the founder of the podcast, you know, to join the 10 year commitment that we'll be sending out messages, we'll be, you know, having initiatives around that 10 year um, commitment that we're, we're making. We want, we want partners like, like you in, in helping us reach that goal. I mean, I, I believe this, I believe we'll do it much faster than 25 years. Right. But, um, you know, we, 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 we certainly can't do that alone. And, and that's a, a place that you guys can help. Well, y'all heard it here first. <laughs> we are going to make this happen. And, uh, you know, again, we appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy schedule with your family and everything. And um, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Yeah, well, I'm grateful for you guys. And I just want to wish you all well. Uh, in your studies and and all that you guys have going, you should be coming up on fall break soon. Well, the beautiful thing about that is, we are not pursuing graduate degrees anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. These undergrad degrees have been done, and we are in professional workspaces. And yeah, um, I'm I don't know about going back to school, man. I'll think well, about it later. We'll see. Take, take the break. Um, and you, but again, back to my advice, you never know. You never right. know where life is going to take you, man. Right. That's you know, true. I, I had no idea, you know, candidly, this time last year, I had no idea that I'd be here on a Saturday afternoon talking to you brothers at Wayne State about the emotional mental health of black men. Absolutely. I, mean, I, had, I had other ideas about what I wanted to do in my life. <laughs> But this was on was. the air off there. <laughs> a little bit of both. But All right, you know, cool. the point is to be agile. Like life isn't supposed to be so rigid and we don't have it all figured out. And that's okay. Exactly. But yeah, we do appreciate your time and energy. And uh, we'll be definitely sharing uh, some of the tidbits here, making sure you are good with those. But again, thank you for your time. And we'll sure we'll be in touch. Thank you.